Give it up for all our moms here this morning. We love you moms. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, as my wife said, it's already been a great Mother's Day. All the kids slept in. She got an hour and a half to herself. So praise God. It's a good day. Uh, it's also a special day for our family because we have a mom in town. Uh, Angie's mom, Dixie, is here from Big Springs, Nebraska. We're really blessed to have her with us. And uh, it was quite a trip just to get here. A couple of layovers and a medical emergency on the plane and all kinds of weather. Uh, but we're so glad that she's here. Uh, she's not your first time here, but it's the first time you get to hear me preach here at Hope Community Church. She's been here many times, but it's usually somebody from our team getting to teach, and uh, it's just such a treat to have her. Uh, Dixie's known me for a long time. Uh, Angie and I, my wife, met in high school, so she's got some stories, I'm sure. But uh, Angie and I met young, and we married young. And uh, we had bright eyes, uh, you know, lots of dreams and plans about life. And, of course, we dreamed of someday having a family of our own. And after 13 years of marriage and no babies, that someday never came. And uh, you can imagine Mother's Day, after 13 years, became unbearable. And uh, I remember being a pastor at a church and trying to explain to the leadership of the church why I didn't want to be at church on Mother's Day. It was just so painful. And um, that's why I really appreciate the video that we just watched, because there are many emotions that can fill our hearts for many different reasons on a Mother's Day, but we're reminded today that we're not alone and that God is with us in the journey. But for Angie and I, when it came to having biological children, you know, the fact was the fact, and, and we could not have biological children, could not get pregnant. Now, how many of you know we can face some things in life where it feels like, um, like the facts are final? You guys ever been in a situation like that? You know, there, there come challenging circumstances in life, and whether you're here and you believe in Jesus or you don't, we all face life. And I've learned that life can be difficult, and that life can throw things at us that almost seem impossible to face. And maybe for you, the fact today is that the income is not enough, there's not enough money in the account, or maybe the, the fact came through a doctor's report and you worry about your health or the health of someone you loved, or maybe today, the fact is your marriage is in trouble. We all face difficult facts in life, but I want to encourage you today, um, God's not limited by the facts. And if you're facing an impossible situation, believe, because there's nothing that God can't do. The facts may be against you, but our God is for you. And today I want to talk to you about the power of faith. So if you have your Bible with you, go ahead and open it up to 1 Samuel chapter 1. We'll also put the scripture up on the screen for you. 1 Samuel chapter 1. I'll give you a little bit of a background here. 1 Samuel tells us the story of the birth of Samuel. But we're actually not going to talk about Samuel at all this morning. We want to talk about Samuel's mom, Hannah. Now, Hannah faced some impossible facts. She couldn't get pregnant. She couldn't have a baby, and yet... In her desperation, she cries out to God, and she demonstrates the power of faith. 
So my message today is not just for the moms, it's for anyone who finds themselves in a situation that requires faith. We'll look at the story of Hannah and then we'll see the power of faith for those who believe. Let's pray before we dive in. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the moms. We thank you for special moments like this. Uh, We come to you, God, with, with all of our joys, with all of our burdens, and maybe even secret pain in our heart because of things we've experienced in life. And we pray that you would You would fill our hearts with joy and faith this morning as we believe in you. Help us to see the power of faith for those who believe. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're looking at the story of Hannah, and as I mentioned earlier, you know, sometimes it seems like the facts can't change. My wife and I experienced that, especially with infertility. You know, it's like the facts are the facts. What are you going to do? We come to the story of Hannah. She finds herself in a desperate situation. You look at verse 1. There was a certain man from Ramathaim, a Zophite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuph, an Ephraimite. He had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had none. Don't worry, I practiced that all week at the dinner table. <laughs> Trust me. Just ask my family. I have to read all these hard names on Sunday. For Hannah, facts don't look very good. Look at some of those facts. Fact number one. Hannah wants children, but she can't get pregnant. Did you see that? This is a huge deal. It's a huge deal for couples today. But uh, in ancient times, it was an even bigger deal. Um, couples back in, in Bible times, in ancient times, they really depended upon having a child who would be the heir and all the inheritance, the property, and the family name would get passed on to that child, particularly his son. And, uh, and of course, we, we hear the crisis just in listening to that passage. We hear the genealogy of Elkanah. Did you hear that? It's Elkanah, son of Son of, down to four generations. And if Hannah and Elkanah can't get pregnant, there is no son of. The end of story, end of line, end of house. There's there's this cultural pressure that Hannah lives under. It would have been a desperate reality for her every day of her life. This desperate fact, she wants children, but she cannot get pregnant. Fact one. Fact two. Hannah's husband, Elkanah, took a second wife. So first of all, second wife, that's not good, right? Not good. Okay, not good. A lot of people say, oh, it's in the Bible. But there are lots of examples of people in the Bible who had more than one wife. If it's in the Bible, polygamy's got to be okay, right? My wife just said no. She beat me to it. (laughs) got to read Ezekiel. Oh, like Ezekiel bread. Ezekiel cooks his food over his own poo. Just because it's in the Bible doesn't mean you want to do it. Come on. Just because it's in the Bible doesn't mean it's good or it's wise. I think the Bible's very clear about having more than one wife. Anytime you see a, a family where there's more than one wife, it never goes well. Bickering, rivalries, 
drama, you know, sister wives. There's a reason why the show is so popular, because it's just not going to go well. Every example in Scripture doesn't go well, because God's plan was not, that wasn't God's plan from the beginning. Right? All the married people, can you imagine having more than one spouse? Like, just the one you have is hard enough, amen? Right? And God made marriage in Genesis 2.24 to be between one man, one woman, for one lifetime. That's God's plan. Yet in ancient times, not having a child to carry on the family was such a massive problem that it was customary in the ancient world for a man to take on a second wife if the first wife couldn't bear an heir. And that should tell us something about the situation here. It tells us that Hannah would have been Elkanah's first wife. But now they've really come to the point where, where they become resigned to the fact that Hannah will not get pregnant. And so now Elkanah has taken on a second wife. It just shows how serious the situation is. This is a serious situation. Fact number three. Insensitivity. Next verse. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. So let's talk about Shiloh. There's a picture of Shiloh today. It's, a, it's a, an archaeological site. According to the Bible, when the Israelites came into the land under the leadership of Joshua, they set up the tabernacle of the Lord, the house of the Lord, got set up right here at Shiloh. During the period of the judges, this became the central place of worship for the Israelite people, and it remained there for 369 years. Now today, archaeologists have done excavations at Shiloh. Now this is pretty amazing. They've, they've uncovered, dating back to this time of Hannah and Elkanah, a massive bone deposit of only animals used in biblical sacrifices. So, that's exactly what we would expect to find if there was a tabernacle, sanctuary of the Lord there for hundreds and hundreds of years. It just reaffirms what we're reading in this story that year after year, Elkanah and his family went to Shiloh right here to offer sacrifices to the Lord. Modern archaeologists found the bones. Verse 4. When they came... When the, whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife, Peninnah, and to all her sons and daughters. She had quite a family, but to Hannah he gave a double portion because he loved her. And the Lord had closed her womb. A couple of important details here. Number one, Elkanah loves Hannah, deeply loves her. He's, you guys see, he's trying, he's trying. Number two, the Lord had closed Hannah's womb. See, God is sovereign over the story. He always is. He's sovereign over our story. We can trust him in these moments. But look at the sense of insensitivity of those around Hannah. 
Verse 6. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. That's great. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Oh, this has to be the most clueless and insensitive statement by a man in the entire Bible. Hey, baby, I know you're hurting, but come on, you got me. Am I not amazing? <laughs> Guys, little, never say this to a woman. Just never. Just stop. Like, the questions were good. Are you okay? Is everything all right? That's good. Hannah's grieving but she, because she doesn't have any children. And Elkanah says, don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Like, bro, you don't want to know the answer to that question right now. Because you're being an idiot. Don't want to know. So I just have a little challenge to myself as a husband. All the husbands here today on Mother's Day. 1 Peter 3, 7 commends to us as husbands. It says, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. That's just great encouragement for all the husbands on Mother's Day. Don't be an Elkanah, okay? <laughs> don't do that. Guys, we can't understand our wives if we don't know what's going on in, our, on in their hearts. I'm just asking myself, I'm asking all of us as husbands, you know your wife. You know what's going on in her heart. Are you really listening so that you can live with her in an understanding way? It's a great application for us. When we look at the story of Hannah, she wants to get pregnant, but she can't. Her husband's taken a second wife, and the insensitivity of those around her. These are the facts of Hannah's daily life. The facts don't look good. And maybe for you today, you're hurting because of some facts in your life, and it's creating some anxiety in your life. Maybe you're inside, you're saying, the facts are the facts. What can we do? Here's my, my big idea. Here's my encouragement for us today. Sometimes it seems like the facts can't change, but we can unleash the power of faith. And we can invite God into our circumstance. We can see what God can do when we trust God with our life and with our story. What is the power of faith? Faith, first of all, reminds us where to turn. Oh, Hannah and all her brokenheartedness in all her desperation, she runs straight to the sanctuary. And she bursts into the presence of God and she pours out her heart before the Lord. Verse 10 says, in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. Her tears and her prayers all came together in one. And one of the amazing things about Hannah is that she knew where to turn. When there was nowhere else to turn, she turned to the Lord. It's such a, a powerful example for us today. She unleashes the power of faith. See, faith reminds us where to turn when trouble comes. We turn to the Lord. But number two, faith not only reminds us where to turn, faith releases to the Lord. Verse 11, and she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you'll only look on your servant's misery and remember me, 
and not forget your servant, but give her a son. Then I'll give him to the Lord all the days of his life. This is Hannah's prayer. What a beautiful prayer. I love this. See, one of the big things we can learn from Hannah today is how she brought her prayers to God and then she released her burden to the Lord. This is the opportunity for every one of us. We can come to God, come into his presence here in the sanctuary at home. Find yourself in the presence of God and say, God, you know my situation. You know my prayer, my burden, and I'm releasing it to you, God. I'm trusting you, God. The Bible says, cast your cares on the Lord because he cares for you. This is the power of Hannah's faith. Not only does she turn to the Lord, but she releases it all to the Lord. I love it. Um, Not only does she release her prayer to the Lord, but this is a beautiful thing. Whatever answers the Lord might provide, she releases that to God too. God, if you give me a son, I'm giving him back to you. This is what we do here at Hope during child dedication. It's parents saying, I'm dedicating, I'm entrusting this child to you, God. But it doesn't end here in the moment of dedication, does it? Because what does Hannah pray? She she says, I give him to the Lord all the days of his life. And so we trust the Lord with our children when they get on the bus and go off to school for the very first time. I remember that, putting my daughter on the bus. I watched her go away. I'm like, yeah, now I really got to trust the Lord. We trust the Lord, parents, with our children when they start driving or when they're with their, with their friends or when they grow up and they, they go off on their own. Right? Our, our life as parents is, is trusting God with our children and by doing that, teaching our children then to put their trust in the Lord. I, I love what Craig Rochelle says, a, a pastor. He says, our greatest priority as Christian parents is to gradually transfer our children's dependence away from us until it rests solely on God, right? What what a great statement here. This is our task as parents. Transfer their dependence from us to the Lord. But do you see the power of Hannah's faith? She entrusts everything to the Lord. And I want you to see the results. Number one, peace and assurance. Peace and assurance. This is the power of faith. Peace and assurance. Jump down to verse 18. This is what it says. It says, Then Hannah went her way. This is after she prays. She releases it to the Lord. And then it says, Then she went her way and ate something. Her face was no longer downcast. I hope you see how amazing this is. She's not pregnant. No son is on the way. But she's leaving in peace. Because she's chosen to trust the Lord and to follow Him. This is a great opportunity before us. We can come here today. We can release our burden to the Lord. And we can leave here today with perfect peace. Not because our prayer has been answered. But because we put our trust in the Lord. The power of faith. Peace and assurance. I'm trusting you, God. you got to take this, God. I trust you. I release it to you. Peace and assurance. See, God gives peace, but look at this, number two. God answers prayer. Verse 19, early the next morning, says the whole family, they arose and worshiped before the Lord. Yep, that's the whole family. And then went back, they're home in Ramah. 
And I got to warn you, PG-13, here it comes. Elkanah made love to his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. How many of you know God answers prayer? Come on. He answers prayer. Sometimes God will do things in our life very simply for the reason we read here in verse 20. Because I asked the Lord. We have a God who answers prayer. And I want to encourage us today. i got a couple of testimonies of answered prayer just to remind us that God is not limited by the facts. And we can truly unleash the power of faith. So I want to invite Pete Lytle to come up. He's got a testimony for us to share. And then my wife Angie has a testimony for us. So thanks, Pete, for being willing to share. If you'll come up here to the front so we, everybody at home can listen to. Yeah. So um, just in the last few weeks, I actually uh, shared with Brian uh, last Sunday. And he's like, you got to share this up, uh, up front. Um, but uh, uh, as many of you have been praying for uh, Tucker, he's been trying to get in the Army for the last six months, right? I think October. He signed papers. And then little things crept up here or there. I know the Manjarugas have been through this. With They ask for everything medical. You know, you got a scrape on your left toenail, and they're like, what is that from? But we uh, got through the paperwork, and one of the big things I told Tucker over and over again was, just tell the truth. Just tell the truth. And that will work wherever God wants it to be. So we told the truth through the whole story of his medical, medical experience. Um, and God became faithful. Oh, well, God was faithful all along. All, all. We saw God's faith in that this last uh, two weeks, what, about a week and a half ago. Uh, we got a call on Wednesday that he was uh, accepted into the Army. And uh, so we, we were excited by that. I hear those words from the sergeant, your son's been accepted, and uh, you've been cleared. And so great. And then the next words out of his mouth were, but the job that he wants is not there anymore. And for those that know Tucker, he loves to work with his hands. He doesn't want a desk job. And they told him that he was not going to be allowed to be a mechanic uh, for the Army, which is what he wanted to do, which will push a lot of his desires in life uh, with some of the other jobs that he has and things that he does. And so he came home, got the news, probably more disappointed than I was. (laughs) But um, they gave him like five other job options. We went over them. None of them were really appealing to him right away. Um, we called Dan Shannon here from church as well, talked to him. He's in the Army. He's like, call me if Tucker doesn't get the job he wants. We called him. He looks around. He's like, there's no 91B jobs. That's the MOS for uh, wheeled mechanic. And uh, so long story short is uh, I, you know, Tucker and I just sat there discussing these options, and none of them were there. But I said, look, we, we came upon some decisions that might work. And I told the sergeant, please send us the five options that he has, and we can discuss them. So he's getting an email together, and Tucker and I are talking there, and I said, look, bud, God's got a plan. And so we sat there talking it over, and I said, just declare it. We're going to declare right now, right here. We're going to declare God has a plan. I said, Lord, we declare that we want a 91B job. I don't know where it is. It's not there. But we want to declare that. And if they have anything else for him, then that's what it's going to be. That's fine. We're accepting of that. But we want a 91B job. We want you to hear that. So Tucker left the room. Uh, had to go call his boss. Tell him he was late. Needed a few more minutes. And as he calls his boss, his, uh, I get a call back from the sergeant. And the sergeant said, he wanted a 91B job, right? I said, yes, sir. He said, you won't believe what just happened. I said, what, sir? He said, I was getting that email together for you, and I went to drop the Word document into the email, and my computer screen froze. 
he said. So I had to restart my computer, and when I had to restart my computer, up popped the program again, and you wouldn't believe it, but there's one more job than there was just a few minutes ago. There's a 91B job, and he has five minutes to decide. <laughs> and little did we know the reason was because this job was probably dropped somewhere along, was going to be picked right back up. Um, but uh, the Lord provided a 91B job, and so Tucker will be heading off July 12th for the Army uh, for boot camp. Uh, he'll be in the reserves um, and, uh, and, and be getting the job that he really desired. Wow. Let's give some praise to the Lord. Thanks, Pete. Thank it's amazing. It's amazing. Who says the facts are the facts when we have the all-powerful God of the universe? Uh, he can freeze a computer screen. He can do all that. Ange, will you come up? Uh, my wife Angie has a short testimony as well. So two years ago, I was having a lot of pain on my lower right side. Um, and so there was an ultrasound and an MRI, and there was an almost seven centimeter ovarian cyst, a complex one on my right ovary. Um, and the doctor that I met with, she emphasized it's a complex cyst. She called it an endometrioma. She said it would never go away. She said the only option was surgery. So we scheduled a surgery. I was in a lot of pain, a lot. Um, scheduled a surgery, asked the ladies at Bible study to pray, asked my family and friends to pray. Um, and then it was COVID and the surgery was canceled. And I was actually very disappointed. I was in so much pain. Um, so the doctor put me on birth control and just to manage the cyst and try to decrease the pain. So six months later, the, sh the cyst had shrunk down to five centimeters. Um, last year I had another follow-up appointment and it, had, it was down to four centimeters. It was still a complex cyst. She even suggested I get a hysterectomy at some point in time because it's just, it would never go away. <laughs> so this year, got another ultrasound and met with the doctor. This doctor is great. I, I really love her. Um, and the cyst is now three centimeters and strangely, it's no longer a complex cyst. It's not an endometrioma. Remember the type that will never go away? I, it's a simple cyst, the kind that does go away. So I, I, the doctor couldn't believe it. And I was like, well, you know, we've been praying for this. And she was like, it's a miracle. So like she said maybe seven times, this never happens. This, this never happens. Um, and so she did believe it was a miracle. And so I asked her, I was like, so do you think it like changed composition? She doesn't know. She said it could be a totally different cyst. That, but the endometria, she said they don't shrink and they definitely don't go away. So either it changed the composition um, or it's a different cyst. And she said the only time she's ever seen this happen is with really strong medication that's really hard on your body. Um, and she, again, she just kept saying, cysts like this rarely shrink, they just don't disappear. And I, and I said, well, I do have pain every once in a while. And she's like, well, I guess that's God shrinking your cyst. <laughs> so anyway, just, I love that because I think so often I expect God when I ask for healing that it's instantaneous. And this is two years. I mean, two years. And again, so praise the Lord. Yeah. We have a wonder-working God. Good praise for God. A boom. We could stop right there and just pray. God will answer all your prayers, right? Well, we do believe in a miracle-working God, and we've heard those testimonies. We've heard it from the scriptures and the story of Hannah. You know, God is not limited by the facts. We can unleash the power of faith, and we really believe that God answers prayers today. Um, but as many of us know, and as I've learned in my life, sometimes God answers prayers. Sometimes God responds in a way different maybe than what I expected. So God will answer prayers, but God also, I'm going to use the word, assists us with our prayers. Not our first choice, albeit, 
But do you guys remember Isaiah 40, where God says, I will strengthen you, I will uphold you with my right hand, I will be with you. Sometimes God says, I'm taking away your prayer. Other times God says, I'm going to give you the strength to get through your prayer. And the testimony there is, but by the grace of God, I never would have made it through this. And you come out on the other side saying, God is faithful. He does give us strength for today. And I am stronger because of what God has done in my life. That is a testimony. He answers prayer. He assists with prayer. Uh, In my life, he has aligned with prayer. Aligned. Let me tell you something about both of my kids. The Lord came to us, Angie and I. We could not get pregnant. And we cried out to the Lord, just like Hannah. The story here in 1 Samuel is very personal to me. It is personal to my wife. And God said, let me open your eyes. Let me align you. The most wonderful, beautiful gift I could ever give you. And God made us a family by adoption. Praise the Lord. And I will tell you today that both of our children are miracles from God. And we are so happy to be a part of a church uh, of adoptive families, families who have fostered. Just realize this, um, this year, every one of our elders has been here at Hope, our spiritual leaders have been a part of fostering and adopting children. And welcome to Hope Community Church. What an amazing story God has for us. You know, we heard a lot of talk this week about Roe v. Wade, and let me just say this. I praise God every day for two birth moms who chose life. Because I cannot imagine a world without Lydia and Hudson. I'm so thankful for life. I'm so thankful for the life of my children. I'm so thankful for the story God's given us. Every night, our family, we get together on the bed. We thank God for making us family by adoption. We pray for for birth moms. It's a beautiful story of redemption. See, I believe in a miracle-working God. And a thousand years after... Samuel, another child, would be born. Son of of man, son of God. And he would live the life we could never live. He would go all the way to a cross and pay the price for sin, rise from the dead, think the facts are the facts. Well, death and a tomb are pretty impossible facts to defeat, but Jesus defeated him, and he rose in victory. This is the God we believe in. He is bigger than the facts that we face. Sometimes it seems like the facts can't change, but we can unleash the power of faith. And maybe today you're saying, these are the facts. It's always going to be this way. I'm always going to have to live with this. But God is saying to you today, the facts may be against you, but I am for you. Trust in me because I can make the impossible possible. This is the Most High God. And I want to invite you today, like Hannah, to release your burden to the Lord and to see what the power of faith can do. So let's, let's pray. God, thank you for this morning. What a special day. Celebrating Mother's Day, dedicating children, hearing testimonies of your power. And I pray that we would leave here this morning with hearts inspired by who you are. You are not a God that is weak. You're not a God that is defeated, but you are a God of strength and might and victory. You work wonders in ways that we could never imagine. There are many things in our hearts, maybe difficult situations, 
We look at choices our children are making and it's hard to trust, it's hard to believe. We, we look at our financial situation, we look at a health situation, whatever it is, and we, it seems like the odds are against us. Help us to know that God is for us. And Jesus, move in power in our lives in the only way that you can. And we, we don't know what to do but to release our burden to you. Take it all in Jesus' name. And help us to walk away from this this morning, this day, and this event with the peace of Christ in our hearts, a peace that surpasses understanding. I don't know how I have this peace, but I'm believing Jesus today. He holds it all, and he's worthy of it all. And even with all these difficulties, I can stand in this room today and give all the praise to Jesus Christ. He's worthy of all the glory, honor, and praise. We celebrate the power of Jesus Christ today. And it's in your name we pray. Everybody said, amen. We stand, we give some praise to the Lord this morning.